0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Penny Tolerable. I'm Jeremy Ellis, and this is my friend, Jesse. Hi.
1: I'm Jesse.
0: Yeah. Another episode where he will be filling in for uh, Nathaniel. Now, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about something that is close to both of us. It's something that I touched upon a few times. uh, episodes ago but now we're really going to get into it um, and that is the room not the room that we're in the room that we watch
1: not the Brie Larson one not the 20 something the 2020 horror one it could be argued that this is a horror movie
0: yeah there are plenty of uh I wouldn't call them jump scares. It's more body horror, really.
1: I completely agree, and we'll get into all the moments of body horror. Um, Here we are, talking about The Room nearly 20 years after it first premiered to a lackluster reception in California.
0: Yeah, and you would think that, you know, talking about a movie 20 years later, you'd think oh, this was a great movie. This was, you know, maybe like a sleeper hit or like one of those, like, kind of gems that was unearthed, like The Monster Squad or something like that. No. It is a terrible movie, but it's terrible in the absolute best ways. Like, it's, it's one of those few movies... From Riff Tracks. Where it's just as fun without them. And very rarely do they do movies that are like that. But this is one of them where it's like... You know, it's it's fun to have the Riff Tracks guys, but... It would still be hilarious without them.
1: Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Uh, This movie is... uh... I mean, if you were to describe the movie at its most objective level, it has a very straightforward plot. A successful man and his wife are living together in San Francisco, and he has a best friend who is cheating with his 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 uh, not not his wife, but his fiance. Mm-hmm. Of course, the movie never uses the word fiance, but. That's one of the many quirks of it. And ultimately, it's a tragedy just because of this love triangle that we see go on and on. Um, and, yeah, that, 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 that I feel is a good objective description of it.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that you said they, they never say fiancé. Something they do say is best friend. Mar- Johnny is my best friend. Mark, you're Johnny's best friend.
1: Lisa's my future wife. And I apologize for doing the obligatory Tommy Wiseau impression. And it's kind of amazing that we haven't brought up actor, director, producer, Tommy Wiseau.
0: (laughs) Hip dick, bitch, bitch man.
1: So I just want to tie it in with another movie that I feel he just plays himself to a T and is utilized perfectly. Um, this was inspired because of the room uh, where uh, Mark, uh, played by Greg Sestero, uh, was in drama school with Tommy Wiseau, and they were uh, they took a road trip uh, to see uh, James Dean. Uh, Uh, where he got into that car accident, and Greg Sestero had a strong belief that Tanuasa was going to kill him. And, yeah, and Best Friends, they really play on that. This this is the kind of person who you think could absolutely kill you, could also just be the dumbest person ever, could be the most... He could be D.B. Cooper. He could be all these things, and none of them is making a movie with the passion of Tennessee Williams, as his mission statement was.
0: I kind of wonder, like, what... What is, like, the alternate universe where Best Friends was made before The Room, or The Room wasn't made and Best Friends was? Like, people would talk about him as, like, oh, he's, like, that incredible, weird, cool character actor. Like... Something like that, and... Because he, he's fantastic in Best Friends. hmm Like, they... It's like, if you use someone well... If you use someone well enough, then... They can be amazing. And I really liked that they did that with Tommy.
1: Yeah, that Keanu Reeves effect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed just how... How they played up his eccentricities, him uh, uh, playing with his balls as uh, he does in both movies. I'll leave that up to the listener's interpretation. And we, we also get just how he seems to see the world in a way that literally no one else does. And that's what changes this very straightforward story into the master or disaster piece that it is.
0: Mm-hmm. So what uh what else do you think is uh kind of interesting about the movie? Um I'm gonna I'm going to have to uh Apologize to the listeners. I I told this to Jesse, but I have to apologize to the listeners because uh, if, like, I space out sometimes, it's because I have really bad back pain, it's developed into sciatica, and right now I'm on medication, so it's, I'm a little bit loopy, but folks just bear with me it'll be a still be a fun episode anyways um let's see what are some other interesting kind of things about this movie I mean when when you actually watch it it's so everything seems stilted everything seems out of place you know it's uh it's kind of a cliche, but it does look like a film made by aliens. Like, directed and or, written by aliens.
1: I have to kind of agree in, in some respects where um, so much of it seems very familiar to us, and yet it's, it's really disassociated when we have a lead, you know, with 12-inch uh, like 12, 12 hair Uh, Mm Um, just lumbering around this, uh, uh, this, he's supposed to be this young, handsome guy, and, uh, I I imagine he fits someone's
0: bill of that, but, uh, Young may be stretching it. Yeah, we Um, never learn much about Tommy Wiseau. We haven't learned much about him yet. Uh, one of the things... Don't know where he's from, don't know how he got his money, and don't know uh, his age. And people have kind of postulated about those things. But what were you saying?
1: So, yeah, it just feels like, again, that's that's kind of looked through, through some distorted mirror. I... I, I I'm not too sure if you'd agree with this metaphor for this analogy, but uh, it feels as if Darren Aronofsky actually did a comedy, or it's something of an experience.
0: Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I think that Darren Aronofsky is quite overrated. I've never really kind of, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I figured, uh, I've never <laughs> kind of gotten his stuff. I mean, the performances are fantastic, but something about the movies is just so kind of art school like it's trying to be cleverer than it really is. but I think i know I think I know what you mean because there are those types of movies. Generally speaking, there are types of movies like, uh, Star Wars, and, um, uh, Jaws, just movies where, like, you're kind of asked where you were when you saw it, and then there are movies that, like, You love, but nobody else seems to. But when you find someone who does, they're so into it. And it's kind of in that sweet spot where uh, it means a lot to a lot of people because it's so kind of bizarre. Like, it's... I think of like, uh, there's, uh, uh, in the town that we live in, El Paso, there's a uh, classic film festival that happens every year, and one year I saw four very surreal, odd films, Corianna Scotsy, Santa Sangre, Solaris, and Alphaville. And those were incredible experiences to me. it seems very weird to put the room in those, in with those movies. But it's like, it it affects you, like it hits you. If a a movie is supposed to like change you, yeah. And this movie changes you because you're like, you just are done with it. You're like, that was fucking weird. I don't know if that was your experience.
1: Yeah, um, I I had a little bit of prelude to that. Um, uh, my partner was actually the one who introduced me to the room. Uh, Um, we watched some YouTube reviews and, uh, from there we, we sat. uh, we, we were excited to get tickets to the Rift tracks version. And we enjoyed that immensely. I can't overstate that. Um, but then then we actually saw it, you know, unrift. Um I I think I'm definitely the bigger fan of the two. But my my first experience and anyone else's first experience is usually what the hell did I just see? Yeah. There, there's like it's just so many bizarre choices from odd green screen, odd establishing shots, odd interactions, like petting a doggy and saying hi um, or introducing yourself by saying oh hi yeah there's just so many strange choices on top of the uh, uh, softcore erotica that's going on when we say softcore I think that's about right yeah softcore yeah Um, that especially with the placement of the hip thrusting (laughs) Mm
0: mm-hmm the hip yeah, that,
1: that, that makes you just go, this is such a surreal movie, and then you go into the behind the scenes, and I feel there is still kind of that art house pretension there, in all the wrong ways. Yes, we're filming with two different cameras on a silly rig that no one else would have devised. Uh, we're doing film and, and digital. We're doing... Uh, We're doing green screen in all the wrong places. We're building an alley set because this isn't a Mickey Mouse production. We've got to have an actual uh, set or a brick wall instead of just filming outside. And it's just so many inane choices that you can tell are trying to be dramatic. Oh, they bring in the cancer. They bring in all these strange. They they bring in drug abuse. They bring in. they kind of allude to homelessness. They're trying to bring all these big points, and it's lost when you see, you know, this this little red-haired uh, guy who's actually the oldest person on set saying, can I kiss you? Kidding, I love you and Johnny. Um, it's, and then just the whole surrogate son uh, slash, uh, well, I, I don't know what he is, like uh, Denny, uh, all the characters are, are memorable in
0: their own way. The, the thing about Denny is that... I think somewhere in the script... in Somewhere in the script, they establish that he's autistic. Uh, but,
1: in fact, he was... Yeah, since, uh, in the early
0: drafts. Yeah, but since they never... I mean, you kind of assume that, but since they never really... Explain that or go into it, you kind of just push that from your mind and just think, Oh, this guy's just like weird. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think at one time
1: uh, he was meant to be uh, uh, Lisa's uh, brother, um, who was uh, who did have some neurodivergence, uh, to break away from using a, uh, very harsh, uh, slur word that Tommy Wiseau used to describe the character. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can see that, but when you see the whole movie, it doesn't act any stranger than anyone else in the movie. So any, any hints of being autistic or in any ways uh, sort of neurodivergent is lost.
0: Yeah. If he's neurodivergent, what the hell is Tommy?
1: <laughs> He's an extra spicy neurodivergent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, um, and then we've got the, 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 the random couple here that, you know, just barge into their, into their house. They're, they're established to be friends of Johnny and Lisa in the movie, and, you know, they start going at it. They have
0: tragedies with knee underwears. And they're mm-hmm. talking like no human rightfully should. There, there's a lot of food play in their relationship, like feeding each other stuff.
1: I mean, which, she even says, "Feed me," like she's Aubrey to too.
0: Yeah, and they, uh, his faces are just the worst thing ever, like the mug. Oh, the mugging that he does is just... Uh, it's stomach-turning.
1: How dare you. That is peak acting. Uh, I love his expressions as he mugs at every sort of innuendo. Also, me and my friends have, have a theory that the belly button is the most uh, the most pleasurable part of the body given this movie. Because if you notice, when he makes those muggy faces, her head's right by his belly button. You know, it's implied that she's probably going to go lower, but he's making the most extreme faces when she's right at the belly button. And that <laughs> couples nicely with the, um, the hip dick that we established. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel there can't be some validity. that Tanu So somehow believes the belly button is the erogenous zone in, in the human body.
0: Well, for him, it might be. I mean... It might be. Yeah, we don't kink shame here.
1: <laughs> you know, we, we don't kink shame anyone from Planet Tommy. That's an actual thing. <laughs> Planet Tommy? Yeah, so, uh... uh at one time, uh... uh Greg and Tommy were having a conversation, and Tommy wanted to have his own planet, and he called it Tommy's Planets. Uh, you you may remember that one being a part of the Disaster Artist, uh, both the, the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's just such a Tommy Wiseau is such a character and such a. Uh I I'm at a loss for words to describe him, <laughs> but he he's seeing a little bit into his world is just such a fun experience.
0: Yeah, and he when you when you kind of look at him and you don't really know much about him, you just wonder like. He's probably from another country, so you know he's an immigrant who made good. There's, there's that, or he might be. He might, you know, nobody knows anything about him. So uh-huh. he might, he might be the ultimate American success story.
1: Uh huh. I mean, he had more than six million dollars to make this movie, and apparently, anecdotally, he had it much more than that. Hmm. So. He's, there's just so much about him, there's so much intrigue. You see Reddit theories saying that oh, he's a Pietro from Poland. Um, you have uh, you know, more silly ones like the T.V. Cooper one, which would explain how he got his money. Um, people, like Greg Sestero included, has uh, thought that he was involved with the mob or something like that, but just thought. Or, or against it because he's just so public about this. He's such a out there figure, such a that he probably couldn't be this, you know, underground mafioso. So it's just there's so much fascination about this guy just because we don't know too much about him, and the parts that we do know make us want to know more. His distinctive uh, Eastern European accents. Um, uh, just his age. We don't even know how old he is. So it's just a, an, an interesting thing to consider. Who is Tommy Wiseau?
0: And something interesting. Uh, his his second directorial effort is coming out. Uh, Big Shark. And I'm looking forward to
1: that. Oh, I'm a little scared of that one just because uh, uh, there, there seems to be something in self-awareness um, that I, I hope hasn't hasn't affected Tommy. But just seeing them like you know uh, your James Wins, uh or just any other people who get into, like the ironic movie game. It starts to wear, and I hope that Big Shark isn't one of those. Needless to say, I will be one of the first people in line for that movie. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an interesting. And then he also did a documentary on the homeless.
0: That'd be so, interesting to see.
1: So I'm kind of curious just how, what, what are his investments in terms of, uh, struggle in the United States. Um, I, I feel some of that seen in the room, um, but it all comes across as a very silly thing, you know, about these serious issues, not because of, of intent, but just delivery and just how absurd it comes off. You know, Claude, Claudette says, uh, I have breast cancer, and Lisa just dismisses that and says, people are getting cured all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're, we're dealing with uh, uh, drugs and we're, we're more preoccupied with you're not my fucking mother coming from Denny's mouth um, so I feel these issues are meant to be treated seriously but just the delivery the, the way all these events are put together um, it's just so strange uh, it almost reminds me of. I, I finally saw Quantumania, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's, um, and
0: do you remember Modoc's uh, spoilers? Yeah. For anyone who's interested? Uh, you remember Modoc's death? Yeah.
1: How oh, it's meant to be like this kind of touching end to someone who redeemed themselves, and then you see his little hand go across a visibly uncomfortable Scott's face. And, yeah, it just comes off as more humorous when it's actually meant to be something that's a little more more sober, more somber.
0: hmm I had thought that it was supposed to be uh, comedic. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like that one tried to mix tones, I and mean, I don't know if it really hit either. Well, maybe the comedic, it, it, it probably hit that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything in the room just comes off as comedic. Uh, one thing I just love is Tommy taunting. Um, instead of saying, you're a big big you're just a you're just a little chicken. And instead of going bah bah. bah, bah, bah now he goes little chicken and says ching, 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 ching. Yeah.
0: his <laughs> weird. It would make the Bluth family proud. How weird that chicken impression is.
1: And um, uh yeah, I, I, this is a movie I really start to enjoy and start to enjoy rewatching, enjoying catching things that I never saw before. Like uh I don't know, uh, spoilers for the room, uh when Johnny's about to to uh commit suicide, you know, he has the gun in the box after he tore the room apart, mm-hmm. and the box is wide open, he could grab the gun, and time-wise, so grabs the box, closes it, then opens it again, to grab the gun, to end his life, and just little details like that, that just seem hilarious, and you know, for, what should be a dark, tragic moment. Yeah. It, it seems like, Almost a stage play, in some ways.
0: I think that might have been what it was supposed to be.
1: I, didn't I see that.
0: I might be mistaken.
1: I think so because, uh, you know, like thinking of like early film or uh, tended tended to rely on more dramatic conventions, uh, and I feel Ty was, though, was probably doing that without. Really knowing that, you know, 50 years have passed and that was the norm for movies mm-hmm. and movies had a very, now have a very different tone and capturing emotions, feelings, all that stuff.
0: Yeah. It certainly so, doesn't look like anything else. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I think the, those play elements are really emphasized. Uh, you'll even see, like, the door that never properly closes. Um and you know wobbly sets this does feel 100% like a stage play yeah Except probably the most bizarre stage play you'll see in, uh, outside of uh, uh, what's it called those black box theaters <laughs> <laughs> hey
0: I've been in some of those plays <laughs>
1: oh, those are, man. I'm not I'm not, I'm not those tend to be the more experimental spaces. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have to ask, uh, what, what was your experience uh, seeing the room for the first time? Did you catch it on adult swim like some people? Or did you uh, were you introduced to through
0: Rift Tracks? I had heard about it a little before Rift Tracks. I just heard that like, oh, this is such a weird film, you have to see it for yourself. But I kinda didn't want to go into anything, like learn about it at all. So the first time I saw it was on Rift Tracks. And the the moment I saw Tommy, I was like, this is a peculiar-looking man. Is he, you know, the the bad guy or the or what you know? Like, no, he's the leading man and it's, then he opens his mouth and you're like, what is, what is going on like what uh, no, no offense to him, but like you don't expect that from like a leading man to have a thick wherever accent
1: yeah, I think your more conventional leading man would be someone like Rex Estera in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you know he's traditionally handsome, he's actually modeled. Um, he's fairly, you know, well spoken. You know, you don't get little strange lines. Well, don't think too much. It may not come out right. Yeah, Just different lines like that. Um, and you know, this is not this is someone you get to play villains. And I think uh, Tom Wessel was even told that at one point. Uh, yeah. that you have a penchant for villains and villain roles. And he was like, no, I want to be the hero. And so he makes himself into this romantic lead that is kind of admirable in in, in thought, but in execution, it's just this really strange movie. Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, that's... I think the guy said, like, you have a wonderful malevolence to you, which... I would love to hear that from a acting coach, but, you know, I, I realize why not a lot of people would.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, this is a guy who's influenced by Tennessee Williams, by, you know, all these classic movies he may or may not have seen. Uh, Citizen Kane, which I think this one tops the room. uh wrecking scene from Citizen Kane <laughs> to see him half-heartedly, he either overacts or underacts when he's wrecking the room, where he just tears out the shelves, uh, uh, lifts I, up a TV, and he's a stop footage.
0: I think it's somehow both overacting and underacting at the same time. Uh-huh. Like which, which makes There's such big decisions, but... His actions are so lumbering that it's kind of big and small at the same time.
1: That's it, uh, I don't think it can get any bigger than humping a for hmm <laughs> Again, just one of the myriad of strange choices um, that Thomas So makes. So uh, I gotta ask, how, how much do you know about the rune? Like have you have you like Read the
0: disaster artist watched the movie. I've seen the movie and I've read a lot about uh, the room. But I have seen the disaster artist and uh, I liked it. I found it interesting. I think one of the things that is maybe a detractor in the movie is that they get... James Franco to play Tommy and Dave Franco to play Greg. And they look too similar to each other. So it just seems like, oh, hey, Mom, I met this really interesting, weird guy who for some reason looks you know, almost exactly like me. Like, that, I think that kind of punches a hole in the movie. But uh, not to say that the whole James Franco debacle... Also, kind of sank it at the at the award season. I honestly think if it wasn't for that, it would, it would the movie would have gone down a lot better. But I'm also yeah. I'm also glad that you know Franco was called out. Yeah,
1: I saw the movie uh, uh, shortly after that. i I've it's not that movie by any stretch of, of it. it's it's actually a really good movie, but it's one I've never really felt too keen to revisit, uh, save for perhaps the Tom Wissau commentary, mm-hmm. um, just because you know I I feel a lot of uncomfortable energy when I think of uh, I think of James Franco now. Yeah. But, um, I thought. Uh, The younger Franco, who, sorry, his name escapes me, (laughs) uh, actually does a good job as a Greg Sestero. uh, Mm -hmm. He sells a lot of the emotion. I, oddly enough, like the choice that they are brothers because I feel there's an odd sort of kinship that, you know, uh, Tommy and Greg formed during those years that the whole Disaster Artist book is about, that even something like Best Friends is about. Where they're the most mismatched pair of people that somehow decide to do things together, and yeah, again, they owe, a lot of, they, they owe their success to one another in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think it's cool. Like I, I said, like even even if Tommy is from here, it's the great American success story. Like the, no, it it's it's neat. To me. Like, there's... There's something that's so much better about... Small movies. Small bad movies than big bad movies. Because with small bad movies... You know people were like... You know, I, I took time off work to do this. I I did this to do this. I did... You know, I... I got paid in beer and pizza for this fucking thing. And with this, it really is, like... It's one of those examples where, like, you can't help... You can't help but kind of root for them. Um, Have
1: you ever been to one of the live screenings of The Room apart from Rift Tracks?
0: Yes, I have. At our local Alamo Drafthouse. Greg... Sistero comes by. Uh, and he's always really cool. Like, he, he remembers me, and, you know, it's he's just, he's a genuinely pleasant man. And, uh, yeah, the, it's always such a weird experience, like, seeing it with people. Uh, it never stops being weird, which is, I guess, something that really that is really special about the movie.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, I, I like just... Uh, I, I've been to those screenings, I think, yeah. Uh, I, I think we're like ships in the night. We either see each, you know, each other... you know. I don't think we ever see each other there, but we both find out, oh, we were at that events. So. Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, I, I love just taking pictures of Grey. He's such a... He's so... He seems so... Pleasant about the whole thing and you know I, I, I am slightly envious than every uh, picture that we've taken he looks like he's a cutout of a model. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a fun time to be had with him and uh, um, I don't know, just the audience interaction is, is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, throwing spoons, throwing footballs, throwing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm glad like you know our Alamo theaters embrace that and you know even gives us the utensils for for that yeah and it just makes for, for such an interactive experience you know like I, I've never done uh, the uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show but uh, know, for but me I,
0: Rocky Horror is a little played out like I guess just because I've gone to the like experience of it so many times and like. Yeah, I, I kind of just want to watch it now. Uh-huh. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's an experience, though, to see, see it that way. But I don't think many movies have that, that following. I'll admit, uh, right now, you know, I'm hearing that Adam events is uh, having the room screening, and I'm kind of looking forward to just seeing it, hopefully. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I don't really want, you know, it's fun to experience a few times, but... After a while, you do just want to experience the just the movie. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that that screening is just hey, let's watch a movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, oh, go 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 go! Whenever the San Francisco Bridge appears, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge.
0: Yeah, but I mean,
1: it... uh, if you have to experience once, I I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just. Like I said, it's so weird. It just sticks out like a sore thumb in the annals of movies. If only other movies, if only every movie was this kind of out there. If was this kind of, this much of an embodiment of a person's psyche.
1: If only movies were this fun, you know. You have your movie watch parties, that you know. uh, I'm a host, but none of them even come close to just the fun you can have here. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's a it's a fun time, Um, and I love that Tom was just just accepted. You can laugh, you can cry, just be good to each other.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: And I I think that that is it generally cool philosophy despite, you know, coming from someone who apparently wasn't too great on set, but he seems to have mellowed out since then. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. He seemed to love the love the people who love him as well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: So, any final thoughts on the room? Um,
0: Not really, but uh, for any of you out there who have not seen The Room, um, no matter how you see it, it's great. You can see a live screening, you can see uh, it rift, you can see it not rift. It's good really anyway. So whatever whatever a person like to do to see it, they'll have fun no matter what. And that's all I have to say.
1: My final thought is that, yeah, the guy who tries to kill Denny with a gun actually ran for Texas office recently. Huh. That's all I I, I want to share, just that little strange bit of trivia. Chris R. Yeah, Chris R. was running for office. I don't think he made it, unfortunately, but uh, I would have said a lot about the world of politics if a room actor. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it'll be like the kingmaker that is predator in terms of politics but no apparently that was they yeah. not
0: want that so uh that's it for this episode everyone have fun and go see the broom.